We are on a mission to help lawyers and law firm owners maximize wealth and achieve financial independence. Welcome to The Lawyer Millionaire with Darren Words from Words Financial Services. In this podcast, we will help you build wealth, minimize your taxes, and plan for retirement with money management strategies designed for the legal profession. Join us in this journey where we help you manage your money so you can make the most of your future. Start feeling confident in knowing you are well prepared for retirement and on track to financial independence. Now on to the show. How do you not just survive, but thrive during a period of uncertainty? The COVID-19 pandemic brought uncertainty on a whole new level. Some law firms went under, but others, like the one launched by our guest today, were born and grew. Welcome to the Lawyer Millionaire podcast, the show dedicated to helping lawyers and law firm owners achieve financial success. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, financial planner for law firm owners. You're about to hear the remarkable story of Adam Berger, who not only went from working at a law firm to starting his own practice, but did so during the unprecedented challenges brought on by the pandemic. Adam is a partner and co-founder of Miller Berger, located in the great city of Chicago. He focuses on corporate law and complex commercial litigation. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Absolutely. We're excited to hear your journey. And uh, before we do that, why don't you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your firm is all about and what you guys do? Sure. So we have eight attorneys. Excuse me. We're located right in the heart of Chicago. Our focus is primarily, uh, as you said, it's we're corporate business counselors. We engage in commercial litigation we handle uh, commercial transactions. Most people think of that as mergers and acquisitions. Uh, we talk about it more uh, from an asset purchase uh, perspective. We also uh, assist with commercial real estate transactions. Yes, very cool. Now, within that, you do have kind of a unique niche, correct? Tell me a little bit more about that and your specific focus. Sure. So, over the years, I've developed a uh, practice, and my partner has also developed a practice practice uh, representing construction companies and car dealerships. So we're part of a uh, a very small group of folks that represent very closely car dealerships, and we're very deep in the construction community. Yeah, that's awesome. Great example of uh, having a well-defined niche, a well-defined audience and all that good stuff. Now, as I understand it, you started this practice uh, when times were kind of crazy and you launched out um, on your own during the pandemic with your partner. Um, Before we get into what that process was like, um, we talked about this before, but why don't you tell our listeners what was kind of the the impetus behind that or the, the catalyst that made you decide, okay, now's the time for me to kind of go my own way and, and start my own thing here. So we saw the tide was was turning a bit in the industry where our client base really was looking for, um, they're looking for someone that can be more of a partner with them than simply a vendor. And when you look at uh, attorneys, we're, we're fairly reviled in the, in the world and and I think in many sense, uh, in many ways, uh, 
for good reason. Um, and so what Chris and I, my partner and I decided to do is go outside the box of the traditional law firm model and take the so-called big firm experience and remove the big firm experience, if you will. It's kind of a trite joke, but we wanted to deliver the best results possible to our clients while being able to charge them a very reasonable rate and be extremely accessible. Because accessibility and price were the two things that we found where where clients were really, it, it, it bothered them that they were spending a lot of money and had to wait for a call back or couldn't get in touch with their attorney. They were being filtered through uh, administrative assistance or, or um, sent calendar invites, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So you wanted to create a better experience for your clients and you felt like you could do that um, on your own as, with your own law practice. Uh, one of the things that I think you mentioned before is that you were looking for, looking you know, at your own career trajectory and you were concerned about the succession, any succession planning of where you were at the time and Correct. concerned about what the future might look like. Was that something that factored into that decision? Correct. And I think the key to my success in my career has been being an architect of my own future. And um, status quo, as we tell our clients, status quo is a, a very bad business model. It is a, it's truly a recipe for failure. And so um, we did not care for the status quo, uh, Chris and I, and we felt that the better, the better way to do it was to take charge of our own futures and uh, the futures of the people that work with us and really create a model where the, the attorneys that work here are happy and excited to come to work. And that translates in everything that they do for the, for the clients. And the clients are happy to call us because they know we're not going to bill them for every phone call, every email. And the reason that we can do that is we're controlling the overhead. And so again, that's part of that architects of our own future. We're building this, this business model, both from uh, a, an employee facing perspective and a client facing perspective. And we think we're doing very well. It's, uh, it's just been going gangbusters. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And that's a great takeaway for our audience, I think, to know that um, we've talked a lot on this show about succession planning. It's important not just for your own future, but it's important for your employees because they want to know. They want to know, do I have a future at this firm? Do I, where's my career going? I mean, that's important. And um, that was a calculation for you. You wanted to know that you had a future and that your career was headed somewhere as well. Um, so let's get into, uh, you know, what this transition was like for you, because you did this at kind of a historic time. Um, tell us a little bit about what that journey was like uh, through the pandemic launching out on your own and, and trying to get your own practice going. So it's, um, you know, like any other investment, timing is everything. And we had a series of discussions and we believed that uh, what we felt was coming is it, the, the economy had already started to, to feel the squeeze. The lockdown was in effect. And we figured that this might 
be a little more permanent than the next 30 to 90 days. And so we felt that the, uh, the time was right and we're, we were betting on the future. And it, I think it's playing out that way. I, I see that, um, so from a, a litigation perspective, litigation is, is still very, very strong, but nobody's going to court. And I, I, it's a broad generalization, but here in Chicago, very, very few day-to-day uh, status hearings, case management conferences, what have you, are in person. Almost none of the, the court appearances we have are in person. Uh, depositions are being conducted by Zoom. Meetings are being conducted remotely. Federal court, it's by phone. And so we didn't need the, the huge office with the huge staff because um, the, the way the legal business is starting to run, it's so different. I mean, it's, it's changing almost every month. It's, it's morphing and evolving. Um, and so we felt that the time was right to, to try to break away from the, the, big off, the big fancy office space, the, the expensive rent, the expensive support staff, and everything else and be selective in the hiring as we grew so that everybody knew that the goal is to have them at the table with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with regard to succession planning, we want, we want everybody to have a voice and we want everybody to have a seat at the table. Um, truly that, that the rising tide lifts all the ships. I'm sure you probably heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so let me get this straight. Instead of viewing the pandemic as this challenge, this problem, you took it as this is an opportunity. This is kind of the right time to make this transition. And you had the foresight to kind of see, okay, the business of law is going to change here, right? <laughs> We're either geniuses or, or morons. And <laughs> it, it so yeah. far it's turned out right. Yeah, fantastic. You took a big risk and it yeah. was and it, and it worked. And so you've kind of developed a new business model that is more lean, more focused, uh more a little bit more virtual. Um can you tell us is there like a business model or philosophy or approach that you use um you know there's like profit first or there's uh you know running a lean organization or what are some of your guiding financial principles or, or even business principles that you use to kind of manage and build your business? So I think that, uh, I, I wish I had something more concrete to tell you, but really in the end, what we, we try to tell all of the attorneys that work and the paralegals that work for us if you just do the work in the best possible manner, if you want to deliver the best results, then you are going to be that the best lawyer you can be. And if you're the best lawyer that you can be and you're doing all the work that's necessary to serve the client, then the hours are going to be there. And then on the back end, the revenue and the profit will be there. Yeah. So if, Everything breaks down if we're not properly serving the client. It's easy to throw big dollars and say, look, 
you've got to bill this many hours. But that doesn't really address what needs to be done with each case, with each transaction, with each client. I want everyone to focus on the needs of the client and the goals of, of whether it's a litigation matter or it's a transaction. Are we getting the deal done? Are we winning the case? Period. And if you're focused on that, it's, it's that eyes on the prize. What's the prize? The prize is winning the case. Then we're going to do everything humanly possible to win that case, to deliver that result. And in doing so, the client's going to be happy. We're going to be happy. The firm is going to be successful and we can continue to grow. But if, if any of that, the, it, as soon as the client focus becomes secondary to profit, mm. then, then you, you're, you're throwing off the, the incentives. The whole point here is to serve the client. Yeah. So it sounds like your, your guiding principle is really doing great work and focusing on delivering quality work for your clients is going to help you grow. Uh, and it sounds like from what you were saying earlier, uh, a large part of your approach is building a great team and making sure everybody's on board. What's been your, uh, you know, some of the things you've done to try to do that, to try to, you know, bring everybody together and make sure they're on board. Um, do you have any insights on, on building a great team? So it's funny. Um, it's, it's a very slow hiring process. And we want to make sure that the people that we bring on fit in with the, the group that we have. And we have a very diverse staff. We have, um, it's a fun and interesting group of people, but we all really, we all mesh. And everybody's got their own funny sense of humor. Everybody's got their quirks. Um, it's a really collaborative environment. You can't see from where you are, but the front wall of my office is all glass. So I can see the entire firm from where I'm standing right now and they can see me. So we're very, very collaborative. We're all here. We like to joke. We like to have lunch together. We play golf together. We we do we do events. So it's not one of those where everyone's rolling their eyes. Oh boy, we, we've got a firm lunch today or we've got our thing. No, everybody's into it. We're We're really... We're trying to be, um, I, I don't know, I would say that we're trying to be a little bit like a family, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, are there any, is there anything unique that you do in terms of, you know, I mean, the old, the old business model is everybody's competing with each other. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I've been into the show Suits lately and I'm about in, into season five. And everybody is at each other's throats because they're all competing. It's an eat what you kill environment. Have you have you been able to change that to do anything different in terms of how you structure your your organization? Yeah, I think that one of the things that that's lacking in the industry is a generous origination policy that encourages or incentivizes the younger attorneys to develop their own business. Hmm. In order for someone to really understand the business of law, they need to have their own client. When you have your own client, you realize how overbilling can be fatal to your relationship. You realize how a bad result can jeopardize any future work from that client. And so it's 
it's very eye-opening when somebody has their own business for the first time, they say, oh, wow, now I kind of get it. Now I understand why we're not allowed to fluff Bill, why we're, we're supposed to do the things that Adam's telling us to do. And so the way we, we get that to happen is encourage everyone through a very generous origination policy where they get a piece of every business, every all the business that they bring in. Yeah, that's interesting. And that incentivizes them to make sure that mm-hmm. the client is is being treated well and and they're sticking around uh, for sure. Now, let, let's walk through this, right? So you and your partner, you decided that you're going to launch out on your own. And I'm sure it wasn't completely smooth sailing through that process. What were some of the big challenges you faced uh, along that way? And how did you deal with those? So I can't talk about all of it. Sure. <laughs> for legal reasons. But I can tell you that the end result was a very, very amicable split. Uh, so much so that... Um, that uh, I'll, Let me just leave it at that. That we're extremely friendly with our former place of employment okay that's great people it had nothing to do with them mm-hmm. it was uh purely a desire for us to to break out and do things a little bit differently yeah so that obviously yeah that that's i'm sure that's going to be a huge challenge and question mark to anyone who is even contemplating starting their own practice um did you have people that, that you were able to bring along with you or did you have to go and find employees? Um, well, what was that like for you? So both. Um, the, it's what happened. I, I think that we were actually surprised at how quickly we started growing. And so the, the core team was great, but we needed to start adding people. And so, uh, Again, it's the it's the higher slow if we can, and make sure that they're a good fit personality wise, philosophy wise. It's uh, you know we're we're very flexible, but you need to kind of fit into this different system. It's not a traditional. We don't want someone who's just going to show up, lock their door, sit there for eight or nine hours and then go home. We want people that we can have lunch with, that we can bounce ideas off of. I mean, we have a literal and figurative open door policy here. So we want people to be social, collaborator, um, friendly, you name it. We, we it, it just helps the whole process of the legal, um, the legal work that we do. So um, it's been hard. I think that Every industry, I, I talk to my clients about this, every industry has suffered from a lack of good talent. And I don't really know where all the lawyers have gone, <laughs> unless they're, they've just decided to leave Chicago. But I really don't know where they've... There used to be a massive response. If you would drop a, an ad, you'd get you know several dozen resumes. Now we're lucky to get two or three uh, one of which is worth even talking to. So that's been the biggest challenge for us is 
finding the candidates that that are out there. And it's funny, I've asked uh, my friends at big firms, just give me the resumes of the people you've rejected. <laughs> let me let me consider them. Yeah. And they say, you know what? We don't have very many. Wow. And so they're all suffering from the same thing. There are not any good candidates. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting time uh, for the labor market. It's been very tight for a while. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you, we talk, you talked a lot about a slow hiring process and making sure that the people you are bringing on board are a good fit. What are some of the ways you determine that? How are you uh, determining if they're a good fit for your culture? And, and what are some of those key things that you're really looking for? Well, I think we know pretty much right off the bat if the person is a uh, outgoing person, if they're an outgoing look you in the eye, they're not shy, they're not uh, withdrawn. We need people who are, I mean, we, we handle some fairly high level transactions, very high level, very complicated cases, and we need people to be confident. Confidence is king. So that's the first box to check. Are you confident? Are you, are you really a, someone who exudes um, confidence and security? And then the next thing is, do you have a sense of humor? I think that humor is lacking in pretty much every area of life today. And the more humor we have, the more you can laugh, the more things are life is easier when you're laughing. I really, and not to make it sound like we're all crazy, but but really having fun with what you do is really important. So we want to test that and we want to understand where are you coming from? Give me a Give me a good background story. We like to have different people from different areas, different walks of life, different perspectives. And I think that it really adds to the strength of what we're developing here. Yeah, for sure. And those are interesting things, uh, not things that I would have expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, like these are not like easy to quantify um, aspects, right? These are things you really have to kind of have some insight and and really know what you're looking for. They're not things that are going to be necessarily skills that you would put on a resume. <laughs> oh, uh, no. And that's, that's the thing is that you would think that my answer would be, well, they have to be the top 10% of their class and they've got it. Those kids sometimes have no clue mm. what what being a good lawyer really is. And if I just need a worker bee, I, I can put somebody in here. But as I said, we want people to grow with our firm and we want people to develop. And we're looking for, for leaders, thought leaders, business leaders, client leaders. Mm-hmm. We want that. We, we don't want someone who's going to hide and, and just crank out the hours. That's, that's not what we're looking for. And so with regard to the legal work, that's easy enough to vet. My partner and I have been in business for so long, even licensed for so long. We know who the players are and we'll know where you're coming from based on what your resume says. And sure, we're going to talk about experience, technical experience, but we're looking for these. It's the intangibles, the humor, the confidence, the the background, the diversity, things like that. Yeah. And you're encouraging your new attorneys to get out there and develop their books of business. 
Um, I'm curious, what is that like nowadays? I mean, how has that changed? Is is a lot of it the same? Are some of the old school methods coming back? What's um, what's the world like now in, in terms of business development and, and trying to build your book? I It's funny. I feel like I've done more networking in the last three, three and a half years than the prior 10. It's... I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are just a massive amount of networking groups. And then there are little spinoffs of each group. And, and I feel like there's a ton of networking going on. The key is finding the right people. And once you find the right core of folks to network with, you don't really need 25 or 30 people to network with. I mean, if you have a, if you're starting out, if you're a younger attorney and you have four or five people that you know, and they're in the right industries and you have the right relationship, that's what you want to do. I think that that's really what I've been seeing more of. I mean, yeah, there's, like I said, there's the, the big groups of networkers, but where the real, the real business referrals are coming from is the one-on-ones. You and me having coffee, talking about life. What are you looking for? What are your challenges? How can I help you? And you have to be a good giver. You can't just always be asking. And so that's another tip I would say is that it's a small world and it spins quickly. And so if you give, if you get known, you have a reputation as being somebody that's, that's generous with referrals, it's going to come back to you. Yeah, good, good advice. Developing that core group um, of, of good centers of influence. I want to ask you one more question um, because you transitioned from, you know, working at a law firm to being a law firm owner, and there's a whole lot of more responsibilities that come with that. <laughs> um, you know, what have you learned in, in terms of the business of law? And running a law business, are there some specific, um, really great insights that you have have found, or surprises that you had that you wish you had known maybe before you before you jumped in that that other law firm owners would really uh, need or benefit from knowing? I do believe that the world has changed even before COVID in a way that. And I need to be careful so as not to alienate anyone here. But I think the younger generation is much more, they're more lifestyle and personality driven. And if a law firm owner can't bend or um, accommodate lifestyle or personality things, then... I think that you're not you're you're missing out on huge opportunities with great workers if you just say, well, this person wants to work from home once a week. If you just say no, then you may be missing out on something that's really important. A, a very good, I think a good owner or a good boss needs to understand the give and take. Hmm. I don't know if that I, I'm not sure if I'm articulating that the right way, but what I've seen as a business owner, I mean, when you work for people, it's the boss. You got to get your hours in. You got to get your hours in. You got, 
but that's not really what we're about. And we've learned, and it's it's still we're learning it with each new hire that um, there are specific there's little there's little asks that people have whether they're over asks or they're they're kind of subtle, um, and you have to be able to give. But on the same side, on the same to- by the same token, you've got to expect that they do the work that they're hired to do. Yeah. That's Again, good. I, without getting into specifics, <laughs> I think it's important overall, if I was going to sum it up, uh, a business owner, a law firm owner has to be more flexible than the traditional taskmaster. Yeah, great advice. But thank you, Adam, so much uh, for, for coming on and sharing a lot of your wisdom with us. Uh, we're coming near to the end of our time, and I've got one more uh, fun question for you, and I love to ask this question because it's so different for everybody. And I'm curious, uh, long-term, well, first you can tell us two things. You can tell us you know, where you kind of see your business going and some of your goals there. But then I also want to know, what does your retirement dream look like? Interesting. So um, the goals, I think uh, we have eight attorneys. I'd love to see it doubled. I think we can probably get there within the next five years. Um, retirement, I, I tell my kids this all the time. All I need is a, a grill, a beach, and someone to bring in fresh fish, and I'll be happy. I'll cook, I'll cook fish tacos or I'll make grilled grouper sandwiches for anybody on the beach. Just give me a little spot to stand. Yeah. That's Staring awesome. at the ocean and cooking. Those are kind of two of my favorite things. Well, I'll have to introduce you to some of my dad's friends down in Florida because that sounds like exactly what they do. <laughs> Perfect. Very good. All right, Adam. Well, uh, if you would, please one, uh, share with us and, and our audience um, how they can find you on the internet, learn more about you if they want to get in touch with you. Uh, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, Millerberger.com, M-I-L-L-E-R-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. That's where you can find us. Um, I don't have a, a very big digital footprint, but I am on Find Law. I am on Super Lawyers, and I'm on LinkedIn. Great. Just for Adam Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Adam. Thank you so much. And and thank you, the listener, for joining us today on The Lawyer Millionaire. If you want to learn more, check out our website, thelawyermillionaire.com. There you can find free resources and webinars, grab a copy of my book, or even schedule a time to chat with me about your own financial goals and creating a plan to make them happen. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode packed with useful financial advice and expertise for law firm owners just like you. We also invite you to leave a review and share The Lawyer Millionaire with your friends and colleagues who might benefit from our discussions. Together, let's empower more law firm owners to achieve even greater levels of success and freedom. Now, take what you learned today and go make your dreams a reality. I'm your host, Darren Wirtz, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Lawyer Millionaire. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to represent investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a qualified investment or tax advisor with any questions you may have regarding your own financial circumstances.